0: cats to another episode of the weber state weekly men's hoops show we are a member of the big sky podcast network and i'm your host colby peterson on the show today joining me so colby peterson doesn't have to fly solo this time i got i got somebody to talk to folks returning to the show we got sean lewis sean how you doing man
1: i you know i'm excited because years ago somebody uh had this thought that you don't lose to the green teams and that guy was a pretty smart feller i I think (laughs) And, and uh And the Wildcats uh, made that guy pretty smart over the weekend by not losing to the green teams.
0: That's right. So if you folks don't know, if you've seen it, you know, on social media, you don't lose to the green teams. You can credit that to the one and only Sean Lewis. That's that started from that man's mind. So we're going to put it on a T-shirt soon. But, you know, we're going to have to pay royalties to that man because classic saying instant classic.
1: Nobody in the Big Sky Conference should lose to the green
0: teams. (laughs) Not even the green teams. That's exactly Don't even lose to each other, bro. It's so bad. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, let's talk a little bit about today's show. Uh, We're going to talk about last week's games, obviously against the green teams, against Portland state and Sac state, both at the purple palace. So we'll go over that kind of what we liked, what we didn't like and VPs. Uh, Then I'll also do a segment called Buy or sell. I put together some scenarios for Sean, and I'll be interested to see if he would buy or sell on some of those. Uh, Looking forward to the end of the, of the conference slate. Heading into the conference tournament, so we'll see what uh, we'll see what he'll buy and what he'll sell. But before we get into all that, I want to encourage everyone: please subscribe to the show. That's on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher—all great places to find Weber State Weekly. I'm gonna do some. I got to, I got to do some stuff uh, on the YouTube channel. I'm gonna try and edit the video so that you can just skip to certain segments. I got to learn how to do that this week. So it's on my to-do list of many things on top of some, uh, MBA NBA homework, but, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get that done. Um, also we're on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, recruiting is heating up. Some guys are committing. We even got a three-star edge rusher c- committed tonight. Uh, make sure to tag us and tag our good friend over at standard examiner, Brett Hein. So, uh, keep an eye peeled on those social media channels because Those letters of intent are rolling in. Guys are committing. And then, of course, if you want to become a patron, go to patreon.com slash weberstateweekly, become a patron. Um, I'm going to try and get those premium previews out this week for our our uh, our loyal patrons, so you guys can get an idea of what's coming this week. As the Wildcats take the trip up to the Palouse, they'll face Idaho and Eastern Washington. Um, Idaho, uh, interesting matchup there. They got a couple of guys who can really score the ball, and then of course the Eastern sitting at the top of the conference standings right now. So be a tough trip, and so we'll prepare you, our loyal patrons, for uh, for those matchups and uh, give you ideas of what to watch. And you can only get that content if you are a patron. So go to Patreon.com/slash Weekly to become one all right sean let's uh let's talk a little bit about last week man i heard that you had an opportunity to actually get to the palace on saturday is that right i did
1: i, w- I was in arena thanks to some good friends that hooked me up and uh had a great time uh watching the wildcats in person i, I wasn't thinking wasn't sure i was going to get back to the palace this year um and so that was it was a lot of fun to see that we got to see a close game uh shout out to the student section on Saturday night. I know Good. that uh, they they did a lot to get uh, some of the institute folks out, some of the the other things, prize giveaways, lots of things going on for the students. Um, like what I'm seeing from the destruction social media accounts, uh, trying to get turnout out, and and you know those are things that grassroots and and small small simple things that will eventually lead to big things. Get get the fans hooked now get them enjoying the game give them a good experience give them exciting basketball give them wins everybody likes to see a winner so you do pretty win things, the fans will uh will come back and and i think you can attribute saturday night's victory a little bit to the student section there's a missed late miss free throw late with with lots of brick posters and screaming and yelling in the guy's face twisting um, of
0: the of the little posters i like yeah, that touch. that was nice that,
1: that that made a difference in the game Saturday night when you have a two point victory. Somebody missed a free throw, that that makes a difference. So so good on the students for being there and showing up uh, on Saturday night. I understand they were they were they were present there on Thursday night too. So good things happen at the palace. You know, uh, one thing I want to talk about Saturday night. Um, we'll get into the the nitty gritty of the details and all that. But it felt so good. One of the things that I've noticed watching, you know, this is the first season I'm watching away uh, for most of the games, right. And I'm, I, and I are now watching on ESPN plus for most of the games. And, uh, um, one of the things that you notice is it just feels like attendance is way down over when I've attended in person. And you can, you can kind of see that a little bit or not, but, uh, I've got to say for the, one of the first times in a long time, as we were cheering on Saturday night, my, uh, my watch gave me the decibel was too high warning that, that I was in too loud of an environment. I was going to be get ear damage if I stayed there. So, okay. so it was loud uh, for moments on Saturday night. and That was a great thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, attendance was good. I checked the, the uh, official attendance numbers cause it looked full to me as well, watching on television uh, 6,100, the official number. So yeah. good crowd on a Saturday, gritty win got the dub. Uh, like you said, student section was packed. And so, uh, just a, a nice sign of things to come. Hopefully that's a trend that continues. Love seeing the palace get filled. I mean, can you imagine Sean, if, you know, the Wildcats get eight, 9,000 on the regular in the palace? Like
1: that would be a dream come true. Cause I, I haven't geez. seen that since 2003. Yeah. And I mean, that was just... a spectacular season. And it didn't even happen early in 2003. It was at the end of 2003 when, uh, is pretty much the second half of the conference season when they were. Uh, for those of you that may be new to Wildcat Athletics, two thousand three, the men's team ran the Big Sky table undefeated. Um, undefeated. I believe that's the last time somebody has run the Big Sky table. Uh, there may have been one other, but uh, you. Uh, uh, by the end of that, that place was full and and rocking. And you know, back then, you if you won the regular season, you got to host the conference tournament, and uh, that that was probably the. Uh, best attended conference tournament I've ever seen. Um, And sadly, I was living out of state for that one. So I didn't get to experience any of that
0: season in person, which which was Uh, sad, but. It's rough, but legendary season. And like you said, an honest to goodness, home court advantage in the palace, which is an absolutely, it's a, you know, easily the biggest I think facility in the conference. Um, but oh,
1: easily, easily. And, and I can make an argument Kobe, and this is a totally different show and I've probably made this argument before I can make an argument that I would love to see. I, this is sacrilegious to most, we Weaver state fans and I'm sorry, I would love to see Weaver state do something like Idaho just did and build a six to 8,000 seat gym that is more intimate and, and, and better sidelines and, and such like that. Um, because I think the the palace is just too big now, and we see that. I mean, even the U can't fill their building, and their basketball team has been awful for a couple of years. But but they don't fill that building, and they've got curtains hanging down. I think there's things the team could do. But but you know, if I ever win the gazillion dollar uh, Mega Millions, um, one of the things we do is is we build a new basketball gym for
0: Weber State. Man, that's that's tough cuz I hear what you're saying and I do like what they built up in Moscow. Like it's uh that facility is gorgeous and if it's you folks 30. are going to be yeah, if you're going to be watching on uh, on ESPN Plus this week, you'll get a chance to see it. Uh it's really really beautiful. It's a nice facility. Um would be nice to have a, a facility like that for the Wildcats, but at the same time, the storied history of the D Event Center. Tough to give that up, man, cuz the D It is. is uh, it is. The it- place
1: Yeah, and and I'm being more pragmatic than than nostalgic when I say that, right? Totally. And and trying to be what's best for the basketball environment and the season ticket holders and such moving forward. Um, There's a lot of history in the Purple Palace. And and you you don't – for Wildcat fans and basketball fans in the state of Utah – that place has a lot of history and a lot of memories and not just we were state memories, a lot of high school basketball games, a lot of legendary high school basketball games have happened there. NCAA um, tournament games, NCAA tournament games. Um, you know, the 1983 NC state Wolfpack uh, opened the NCAA tournament in Ogden at the Purple Palace uh, on their Cinderella run. So um, that's just, you know, there's lots of things that have happened there. Um, but the days of, of the NCAA tournament coming to college campuses again like that, or we're long gone. And, and yep. you just, um, and you know, the, the palace was great for concerts back in the day, a lot of, a lot of good headliner shows, um, that have come through Ogden, but those aren't coming because, uh, the facility just can't handle the big touring acts that that come through anymore. And so, um, that's a tough decision to make. And, and it's one that, like I say, I don't think the legislature is going to fund that, but somebody making a big donation could do it. And, and uh, you know, maybe if I, uh, like I say, if I win the gazillion dollars in a lottery, which hasn't happened yet, uh, we will, uh, maybe we can make that decision. Yeah.
0: <laughs> But it was good to see the palace have you know quite a few people there, and so uh, yeah. hopefully that momentum continues. Folks, keep showing up to the palace. I mean, like like Sean said, I think that the crowd had an impact in a close game like this against a, a tough Sac State team, and um, I think the crowd had the impact to give the Wildcats that win, and it felt big time. I don't know about you, but it felt big time. It felt like a, a big win, uh, which I can't believe I'm saying about a green team, but. Here we are.
1: Well, it's one of those games that you felt like, and this is, I was talking to a friend uh, this weekend about it. They didn't give it away. And that was a game that no. you looked at and with five minutes left and, and the lead was shrinking and you're like, gosh, this feels like one that we've given away this year. And they didn't give it away. So to me, that's a sign of growth for, for the Wildcats that they didn't give that game away. They held tough. They, they were able to weather the storm. And yes, it was tied with 43 seconds left. Um, but that's why you have a superstar in Dylan Jones to to go and make that that hoop, and and all you needed was one hoop. He got it, and and that was that was it. So uh, credit to the Wildcats. But I think we're getting to hire ourselves. We need to talk about Thursday's game. And yeah, we what do. We like against Portland State because uh, two assists shy, do it all DJ two assists shy of a triple double. Yeah, um, he's right there. Just a monster game him uh his line he finished uh i've got it here hold on hold please uh he finished with uh uh, 14 rebounds uh eight assists and 17 points uh steve Berplankin led the team with 19 points on five of six three-point shooting monster game from him too in 30 minutes um we had uh five guys in double figures um including junior ballard um uh, Alex Chu had a had a nice night with ten points, um, so that was just a dominating performance uh, by the Wildcats. And one of the things I was looking at was that in scoring, Portland State actually leads the league in scoring at seventy six point nine points per game. And what did we hold them to,
0: Colby? So this is uh, definitely a thing to call out because the Wildcats held them to just sixty eight points, so about ten below their average. Uh, and the Wildcats exceeded their average, you know, 84 points. Wildcats right now, they're only scoring on average about 66 points a game. So nearly 20 points more than what they usually get in a game. I think a lot of that had to do with good shooting from the perimeter. I think that you'd probably agree with me there. I mean, the Wildcats shoot uh, as a whole, as a team, because we talked about the hot shooting night of Steve Planken. Wildcats shoot 55% from behind the arc in this game. That's just blistering. And, Ten, 10 uh, of
1: eighteen you know, was a beautiful, beautiful showing yes. from the three point land, um, and uh, um, didn't shoot too badly from from the field. I mean, thirty one of fifty four no. uh, w- was a was a decent. That's fifty seven percent from the field. You you hit fifty seven percent from the field. You are going to be in a lot of ball games, and but I think it was the defense, really, that uh, that Weber State really had. They had, they forced thirteen turnovers. Um, yep from from the Vikings some of those are steals yeah and and I think that that is a uh, Portland State averages 17 turnovers so that's right at their average but but we were uh usually only forces about 12.9 were actually negative in the turnover margin on the season so so we were playing above their their head in in turnovers Getting that done for on Thursday night, but just uh, Portland State just looked lost in the second half. Uh, Do you agree with that?
0: Yeah, because you know they were. I think that they were a little bit shell shocked by what they had got. They did not shoot. They didn't shoot terrible. Terrible. They shot thirty three percent from the field. I think they're a team that they're not like the the hottest shooting team from three. Uh, you know, that, that award goes to Northern Colorado right now. They're shooting 35%. You know, Portland state is, you know, just a slightly above the wildcats. They're averaging 34% a game. Same with the wildcats. Um, but it just felt like they just couldn't find their rhythm. Um, they weren't getting it done behind the arc. Uh, they just shot absolutely abysmally. They shot 26% in this one, the three of 11 in the first half from three, one of four in the second half, they really tried, they had more success in the paint or, you know, from two in the second half, but that first half, eight of 24, just ah, not a good half for them.
1: Well, and, and it, the, the, the game was over, but the first half it was 50, 51, 29 at halftime Portland state actually outscored us by six in the second half and held us to 33 points in that second half, but the damage was already done. And yeah. in that, in that first half and, They just came out and played the string um one of the things that they looked at you look at points of turnovers portland state led that 16 to 9. fast break points 16 to 14 uh points in the paint we were actually uh ended up 38 over 38 to 30 points in the paint but uh if you if you were to just look at, at the things that Portland State did well, they they did them well, and it was it was fairly good. But it was just the shooting, and and they came out as a complete first half. Uh, as I was talking to this uh, to my friend uh, over the weekend, um, what I commented on was that this was the first uh, thirty minute game that Weaver State has played, and what I mean by that is we've seen Weaver State play really well for half of the game so for 20 minutes of the game i don't think i still don't think we've seen a full 40 minute game uh sacramento state comes a little bit close but i, I there's a lot to to nitpick there um but i think we were played really really well for 30 minutes of the portland state game and and led we were able to hold on for that so um just a great win to to win uh, going away um on portland state which helped with confidence leading into saturday
0: Yeah, one of the last things I wanted to point out from Saturday's win and I or Thursday's win because I really think this was the key to a lot of what the Wildcats did—the assist numbers. The Wildcats had 18 assists in this game, and so a thing to point out: the Wildcats have not been a great assisting team this season. They're dead last in the conference, averaging 11 per game. So 18 is a better mark than even Eastern Washington, who leads the conference right now, averaging 15 a game. So I really liked the assisting and I felt like a lot of that was finding Alex Chu down low, you know, the, the defense collapses on a, on somebody driving from the top of the key whether that was Dylan Jones, Steve Verplanken, and then that person just kind of dumps it off to Alex and he's getting a high percentage shot at the rim. He's 5 of 6 from the line or from in in the paint, you know, 0 for 2 from the free throw line, but just really high percentage shots that really got him involved and, you know, s- stacked up those those assist numbers really quickly. And it just felt like the sharing of the ball was really the difference to just get this wildcat team out shooting a high percentage and making Portland state's defense just sweat. They just didn't know what to do or how to counteract that. And I, I was so happy to see those. Assists. I really think that if the wildcats can continue that trend, if they can continue to share the ball the way that they did on Thursday night, that's a team that's unbeatable, man. Like, that's a team that will beat Montana State. That's a team that will even beat an Eastern Washington because it's tough to deal with.
1: Well, and, and to your point, that 18 assists is a season high. Um, yeah. They've hit 17-1 at Utah State, uh, 16 against Cal Poly and St. Martins, uh, which is probably the best week that the Wildcats had those three yeah. games there. So um, yeah. I, I think your point is well taken that if the Wildcats share the ball, they're a better team. And, and good things happen when they do that. So um, ball movement, getting the ball down low to Alex Shu, who's been a beast when they, when they fed him down low, especially early in games, when they feed him down low, he's usually pretty dominant. And then they go away from it either because adjustments that the other team makes or, or just that they want to start the inside out type stuff. But gosh, give Alex the rock. I mean, he's doing good things with it. He's making good decisions,
0: let the man eat while he's down there. I think um, maybe the hesitance is um, Alex has had a hard time shooting from the free throw line. And so you do want to go to him because you know, the chance that he gets a high percentage shot is there. And when he's getting those, I mean, obviously it's tough to block a dunk folks. I don't know if you knew that, but it is, but the problem is on the flip side of that is if you don't put it in, you get sent to the line. And when you're like a 63% free throw shooter, comes a little bit of a liability. So might be a old
1: well, hack a shack mentality, right? Totally the right. Foul, the foul and the free throw is
0: worth, worth uh, fewer points than, than the dunk. Cause yeah, you'll take, you'll take your chances. Yeah. Um, on the opposite side of that, uh, I really felt like fouls were the thing that kept Portland state in this game. They, they had, a, they were 12 of 19 or no, sorry, that was the Wildcats 34 from the line. Wildcats are 12 of 19, three uncharacteristic misses by DJ from the line. Just that doesn't happen folks. Um, but only 19 total free throws and Portland state with 34. <laughs> so it gives you an idea of like, you know, you cut that in half. If things are a little bit more equal, they they don't make up those six points in the second half, Sean. They don't. Sure. Sure. Um, speaking of fouls and I know we're not supposed to do this,
1: but uh, um but we're that gonna do really, it. That was a really odd technical foul on the bench in the second half. And from what I understand, it was a a coach that was too far out on the floor and and just watching that, it was just odd because you never see those kind of technical fouls called. And and the official box score only said one, but I swear I heard somebody say that uh, the coach was ejected and, and uh, sent away, but there was only one listed on the official box score. So well, I, I see two.
0: Uh, there's one. Well, for well one, one
1: was Alex, one was on the player and then one was on the coach. Yeah. Uh, one says 10. Yeah. And that, that that's on the coach, but uh, that was that same sequence. Right. Um, cause, cause what I saw happen and, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but it was the weird foul at mid court that you're just like, whatever. And and uh, Alex pointed up to the the no. the video board, and that's an automatic T. I mean <laughs> you you that's showing up the ref. Yeah. The ref's gonna call that T nine times out of nine times, right? Or, nine, or ten times out of ten times. The ref's yep. gonna call that T. You you don't tell the, the ref to look up at the board. But it was just shortly after that that they called the the T on the bench and and I've heard a couple different accounts from people who are in arena and, and, and one person said that the coach wasn't even talking to the ref, but he was, you know, it's taking a step out a couple of steps out on the floor. Um, I don't know. I don't know what's true. I wasn't there, but just an odd technical foul. You rarely, rarely, rarely see, um, technical fouls on assistant coaches like that.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent true. So a weird one, but, in the grand scheme of things did not matter because the wildcats had amassed such a huge lead because of sharing the ball shooting well from three. I mean, like we said, Sean, when those assist numbers are up, I mean, you talked about the St. Martins, the Cal Poly and the Utah state game. Those three games are really where the Wildcats' season turned around. And a lot of that had to do with the wildcats sharing the ball. Well, then you see once again, sharing the ball well against the Vikings. It ain't a game. And this is a team that, you know, Leads the conference in scoring. Um, it's not a game; it's blowing them out. So, yep. good things. Uh, any final thoughts on this one? I wanted to get maybe your MVP from this one.
1: No. Anytime you're 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 uh, two assists away from a triple double, you get the MVP honors because um, triple doubles are so rare in college basketball, especially Weeper Weber State. That uh, that uh, that do it all DJ literally did it all on Thursday yep. night. So he's the Yay. MVP. Yeah, he did.
0: I I like what you're saying. And uh, I, you know, I was on Twitter, you know, saying, all right, we're we're on triple dub watch for DJ and uh, didn't end up getting uh, those final two assists, which was a bummer. But I got to say in this one, I I get I'm going to give the MVP to Steve. And here's why. Five of six from three is just a terrific mark when the wildcats have had their woes shooting from the three point line this season. If if that's a number that can stay consistent, like it's just a catalyst because it frees up so many other things that the wildcats want to do. The wildcats are a team that want to play inside. They want to use size. You can tell that they like to feed it to Alex Chu. Uh, We've seen them, you know, put in Daniel Ruzon. Did I say that right? I think so. Uh, Anyway, uh, he's in, you know, they like to have him back down the, the person in the post and he's really good around the rim. Just those, that kind of game inside, they really like it. But when there's that space, when they have to respect the three on a good shooting night, man, that just really does things. And so five of six from three is quite a feat this season. I got to go with that, man, Steve. Cause I, cause I got something to talk about with DJ in the next one anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if that's all for Portland State, let's talk a little bit about Sac State then, man. So uh, this was a game that you were in attendance for, uh, obviously. And this one was, uh, th- I think that this game was the opposite of Thursday night. This game was an absolute slog. The game was 20, well, 4 to 21 at halftime. Uh, Sacramento State scores only 24 points in the second half as well to get to 48. But the Wildcats, slightly better, scoring 29 in the second half to win at 50 48. Sean? What'd you like from this one?
1: Um, I like that we won. Uh, I like. <laughs> I like that
0: too. <laughs>
1: I liked the DJ um, with forty three seconds left in the game, somewhere right around there, yep. uh, or uh, uh, twenty. Uh, we got the ball with twenty three seconds left on on that free throw by Patterson, um, and uh, we took the ball down. You knew it was going to go to DJ. You knew you knew who was going to make the move and make the play, and he made the play. And, and Sacramento had nothing to stop him. And, and that was, that was that. And, and, uh, so to me, that was a good sign of, of DJ, uh, being the alpha dog on the team, taking that, uh, when the moment, when the team needed a big moment, he responded and was successful in that. So that's what I liked from that. What I didn't like is, is this Weber state scored their 48th point with 457 left in the game on a free throw by Alex Chu. From 457 to 6 seconds left, we did not score a point. And and that was to me that was um by the way the score was uh uh 48 to uh, 39 at that point, a nine point lead. So we did not score a point, gave up nine points to, to Sacramento State. So what I could say is I didn't like is we should never have been in that situation to begin with, uh to need a last second bucket by our superstar to to win that game.
0: Yeah, um I, I was also surprised too because I had been um checking out Twitter while while watching the game and The scoring drought went on for quite a bit. So 45, the Wildcats hit 45 points. At that point, seven minutes left in the second half, it was 45 to 38. The Wildcats with a seven-point lead, they go on to score just five more points in the final seven minutes of the game. And that includes a clutch layup by Dylan Jones to put the Wildcats up two. So if you take that, you know, layup that was made with 23 seconds left, the Wildcats, like you said, Sean, get the ball with 23 seconds left in the game. DJ goes down. He's not losing a night. He takes advantage of it, gets the layup. The Wildcats go ahead. So three points aside from that, we're talking about, you know, roughly six and a half minutes of no scoring and watching that lead dwindle. Um, Wildcat fans, I think, sweating a little bit.
1: Don't bring up the, the obvious historical uh, equivalent, um, which I just <laughs> did. So find me. but But yeah, I mean, this is something that I think we've talked about in previous seasons with a different coach. I think we've seen it this season. The Wildcats just seem to go to sleep for five minutes at a time. And they just can't seem to score... And and this happens to a lot of basketball teams, but but it just seems to be more regular with the Wildcats. And when that happens to them, they let teams back in the game. Uh Sacramento State should not have been in that game Saturday night. Um they've got a good team. I really like their coach. They're they're doing good things there, but but the Wildcats should have had that one uh done. They weren't hitting the three pointers, they weren't hitting the, the shots. I mean, you know, sometimes you have a Jim Boylan night and, and the ball doesn't <laughs> go in the hoop. But but you get you get the the you do what you need to do to win. And I thought that's what the Wildcats did on Saturday night. They did what they needed to do to win. And and it was weird because sitting in an arena, you never felt like the Wildcats were out of control of the game until uh uh they tied it but even then, we had plenty of time on the clock. It wasn't like we had to hit something with with two seconds left or we only had two seconds to get it up the floor. The Wildcats were, were in control for most of that. And you just kind of, you felt it slip away, but it didn't feel like it was slipping. away. It was weird in arena. I, I don't know how it felt watching on TV, but it was, but it was weird like that in an arena where you felt like the Wildcats were were in control and they just needed one more bucket. And if that one more bucket had come, With with five minutes left instead of twenty three seconds left, uh, there'd be a difference.
0: Yeah, I mean that's totally fair because like uh, the Wildcats didn't trail, you know, in those final minutes, and so you don't necessarily feel that like pressure, like oh man, we got to find a bucket now because you know we need to get caught back up and tie the game at least if we want to see overtime. Like you said, Sean, Sac State ties the game with you know forty three seconds left. And so it's like, okay, ball's in your court. You got to figure it out. You just need to get a bucket and you go ahead. And luckily, they never trailed. And so it didn't feel like you didn't feel that like pressure. Cause it's like, if all else fails, yeah. You know, even in the final seconds of the game where it was like, okay, you know, their guy is gonna drive and he's gonna, you know, put a shoulder into junior ballard's chest and try and get it. I mean, he had a shot. And it was a, it was a decent look. Like you can't blame him for the shot. It just didn't go in. Uh, But even that didn't feel like, I mean, you wanted to see him win obviously, but if he had hit that shot, you're just going to OT and whatever, but he misses it. Alex Chu gets the rebound game's over. Let's get out of here. So yeah, I hear you. Like it didn't feel like that, that kind of pressure because the Wildcats didn't trail in those, in those close minutes toward the end of the game.
1: And and there were some good things that that happened on that. Um, Dylan with eighteen or DJ with uh, eighteen points. Uh, mm-hmm. Dyson Kohler had twelve. Um, four or five shooting. Statutes. Yeah, um, the Wildcats go six of eighteen. Uh, so not quite as hot, but but they only took eighteen shots on Thursday or eighteen threes on Thursday. Uh, the difference was four three pointers makes a big difference in the game. But sure, um, game is very comfortable if some of those fall, right? Yeah you are turning a close game to a comfortable game is all uh so i i don't know i i liked the game I, I i liked what i saw from the wildcats um i i was sitting in a different spot so it was a different perspective for me uh seeing how the game uh uh, uh played out but um yeah it was just a, a couple of weird officiating calls
0: <laughs> on saturday again uh, a lot but, of them dude i want to be honest a lot but, of them it was like really that's a foul come on man
1: yeah yeah and and maybe i was distracted with with my family being in tow on saturday night but uh i just thought it was a good game and it, it was well played by both teams uh, well, it go cliche but but it was just just a really fun game to be at there was a great atmosphere like i said my noise meter went off and and uh i i just it was just fun to be in the palace and so i i'm not going to be too critical of, of saturday's game because we got the win and, and my family had a really good time and, and I should credit, uh, where credits due. Um, I had a couple of players, uh, come up to the stands and, and take pictures with my children and sign some autographs, uh, junior Ballard and, uh, a couple other guys, uh, came over and said hello to the family. So, uh, thank those guys for, for taking time and, and, and doing what they can to, uh, uh, make fans for life uh, uh the 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 team handed out uh junior ballad posters at the beginning of the game we got a couple of water autographs on them and my younger son was was the whole ride home for a couple hours was this is my new prized possession this is awesome and you know so you can tell that you know you make a wildcat fan for life when you do those those small things like like coming out and saying hi to the fans after the game and signing autographs making the kids feel good um that's how we build wildcat fans and and uh, I hope the administration, you know, uh encourages more of that because the more you can do to make wildcat fans when they're kids, they'll be wildcat fans when they're adults.
0: Yeah. Um you're right. I mean, I've got some of those, you know, signed prize possessions myself, including a football now that is a uh, legendary signed by Jay Hill. So uh that's the kind of thing that you hold on to, right? Yeah. <laughs> Remember yeah. the good old days. So I hear you. Um, I had a couple of things I wanted to talk about in this one, Sean. Uh, talk about things that I liked. obviously, the the grit was one that I wanted to talk about. Yes, things were ugly. The Wildcats shot, you know a fairly flat thirty two percent from the field, thirty three percent from three, um seventy one percent from the line, which is you know uncharacteristic. I think of them. Right now, the Wildcats sit at the top of the conference. They average seventy nine percent as a team. So 71% a little bit low. It's not, uh, it's not where they're usually at, but it is what it is. Um, but one of the things I wanted to call out here was um, it was actually worse, you know, on Thursday night where they had, you know, a lot of turnovers, but this one, 12 turnovers, a little bit high um, only 10 assists. Now 10 assists is a pretty decent number. Cause like we talked about, you know, when it comes overall, you Now you know, the Wildcats are averaging 11. So a little bit below that. A few more would have been nice. But I think part of that is the shooting component that we talked about. If the ball goes in the hoop, I think a few more times those assist numbers climb. And so it's just, yep. a, you know, a function of a rough shooting night. Uh, you know, because Steve was four of 13 in this one. He's one of seven from three after an absolutely scorching night from three on Thursday. And so just, that's the way it goes sometimes. You know, you got a guy who's just, you know, burning it up. Another other times he's just not burning it up. So it is what it is. Uh, another thing that I didn't love was that only six bench points uh, in the, in the wind yeah. on Thursday night, the Wildcats had 25 bench points. Uh, this one just six. Uh, and so in, you know, just kind of, you know, a smattering of those two from junior Ballard, two from Hanjay Tamba, two from Daniel Ruzan. Like, I think that if the Wildcats can get more consistent bench production games like this don't happen uh, because like we saw on Thursday night, if you get that bench production games get very comfortable and you're allowed to, you know, open up things and give guys a little bit more time because of it. So, um, didn't love that, but, It's the way it goes. Uh, Sometimes when the ball's not going in the hoop, it's just a rough night. You know, Alex Chu was 0 for seven. He's not normally 0 for (laughs) seven, so it's just it's just a function of you know the way that game went. Yeah, Um,
1: and 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 there was some pretty good defense being played um, by uh, by Sacramento State. I mean, give give some credit there. But um, can I talk about one other thing I didn't like? And this is non basketball related on Saturday night, and uh, um, I've noticed that. um on the scoreboards, the Sacramento State logo was displayed in all gray. And apparently that is supposed to be an intimidation thing. Um, um disparaging our opponents or making them feel less than or all that. And <laughs> I want right? to say in today's world, um, be better, Weaver State. Let be classier, be show the teammates the respect. You know, they're they're working hard. Don't play stupid games with the other team's logos. Display their logos in color on the scoreboard. If, if you're going to show disrespect like that to the teams in a little stupid petty way that nobody knows about unless they know about it, then you're going to give rise to fans that are going to disrespect the teams in petty ways. And and the school should lead by example in, in that. So um, I hope that next time I visit the Purple Palace that the opposing uh, teams logo is in color on the scoreboard like it always has been and as it should be and and i'm going to call out the athletics administration that was not classy
0: all right that's something i didn't even know i didn't know that was the thing so (laughs)
1: well i noticed it and and i had to dig a little into why it was that way and and that was the way it was explained to me um and i doubt many other people noticed it because i'm a nerd and i notice things like that yeah but but stop just just put the logo up there
0: um one point i wanted to make you talked about defense sac state right now i mean the wildcats are the second best defense in the conference overall wildcats giving up just 66 points a game 66.6 6, um, you know just point two points behind montana state at number one you know pretty pretty stout defense considering the way things went when the wildcats played montana state in bozeman um, in spite of that whistle that night that was something else, but uh sack state, not far behind the 67.2 points. So like you said, tough defense being played. And uh, that's something we should have expected from uh, this Hornets team. And that's exactly what wildcat fans got in the palace on Saturday. Um, uh, want to go to MVP here. Who's your MVP in this one, Sean? Mm,
1: that one's tough because it was such an ugly, ugly game. Um, I am going to give it to Dyson Kohler getting in double figures. That doesn't yeah. happen for him a lot, 27 minutes, 12 points, uh, five boards, um, just four or just five shooters,
0: two of three yeah, from just, the three point. Just,
1: Cause he had a, he had a solid game and he, he wasn't the guy that you normally want or see a solid game like that from. So, so let's throw a shout out to uh Dyson.
0: Yeah, man. Just once, one uh, one foul, two steals to go with that. Uh good game, man. Good game from a guy who got 27 minutes to start. I like it. But for me, MVP goes to DJ because he wasn't losing that game. He gets the ball 43 seconds left. Like you said, takes it down. Seconds. Yeah. Sorry. You're right. It was 23 seconds left in the game. Yeah. Uh, takes it down, you know, and gets the bucket to leave six seconds on the clock. Uh, great. That's the kind of shot we need. I don't know if you remember a few years ago in the COVID season. Uh, I think it was, I think it was actually against Sac state in Sacramento. Wildcats a little bit, you know, it was a close game. Isaiah Brown takes the game over. He ain't losing. And uh single handedly, you know, make sure that the Wildcats pulled the dub out of uh like I said, I believe it was Sacramento, but it felt like that, where it was like DJ's not losing. We ain't leaving the palace with the L tonight, man. He was gonna make sure that we won. And uh that's why he's getting my MVP because he made sure yeah, that the Wildcats get the dub. Completely fair and and worthy. So that's uh that's the last. Last couple of teams, uh, our last couple of green teams, two dubs against the green teams, which is something we like to see, you know, like losing to the green teams. And so now we're going to move on to our game called Buy or Sell. I've got some scenarios, some uh, potential future scenarios for the Wildcats as we round the corner. I think we're about halfway through the conference slate now. Is that right, Sean?
1: Uh, we've played eight of eight teams. We have 10 conference games left. So our next game uh, on Thursday will be the official halfway spot. But yeah.
0: So Thursday's game will be the, the official midway point, but we're just about there. And so I figured it was time to maybe look forward to the end of the conference season and see what Sean would buy and what he might sell. So first scenario I have for you, the Wildcats will end the season Let's see. Let me make sure I got my numbers here. Let me make sure I got this right. I didn't like type it up because I was a little bit distracted trying to cook dinner when I typed this up. Okay, yeah, I got this right. All right, so the Wildcats will not end the season in dead last for team rebounds. I'm going to buy this,
1: and I'm I'm, going to tell you why. Right now, Weber State is dead last with 31.3 boards per game. Um, The next two teams above them, uh, Idaho State at 31.7. Montana at 31.8. Those decimal point averages are at the difference of one to two rebounds per game. I think that you'll see the movement in those bottom spots. Now I'm not saying that they're going to all of a sudden take over first place from Sacramento state, but I think that we can uh, get enough rebounds that you could even move up as high as number seven where Idaho is only averaging 32 rebounds per game. Um, and I, I think you could, that you're going to see movement in those if you can swing two or three rebounds per game over the last 10 games of the season. So I'm going to buy that. We are not going to finish in last place.
0: Yeah, because I, I'm going to buy this too. Cause like you said, all the way up to five Portland state is sitting at five right now in the conference at 32.5 per game. It only takes a few to get you back up. You know, there's a lot of swing. I think in these bottom five spots. Once you get to four Montana state at 34.5 a game, and it starts to maybe get a little bit out of reach where, you know, there are a full hundred rebounds ahead of you in total. Um, so I think I'm with you, Sean, I'm going to buy here because I think that um, I think that they're going to get out of that, that, that basement. So next up Dylan Jones ends the season leading the conference in rebounds. you going to buy, are you going to sell? I'm also
1: buying this, but I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach to it because I use some of my uh, public school math skills. (laughs) And so somebody uh, forgive me if I got this wrong by my manner of reckoning, the number two player in the conference, which is uh, in fact, I have it here. um, Callum McRae from Sacramento state Mm -hmm. Um, right now. DJ is averaging 10.9 boards per game. Uh, Callum McRae uh, is averaging 9.6. If I did the math correctly, um, McCray would have to out-rebound DJ by 27 rebounds over the course of the last 10 games of the season to take that over. Um, that equates to 2.7 to 3 rebounds per game. Doable, but doubtful. Therefore, I'm buying the do-it-all DJ is your conference rebounding leader uh, when the season is said and done.
0: Yeah, because we talked a little bit about how, of course, like we just said, that Sac State leads the conference in rebounding right now. They're averaging 37 uh, a game as a team. Uh, They got 41 on Thursday or on Saturday night in the Palace. I think that the problem with McRae getting that number is that there's going to be competition for boards on his own team. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so like... uh, He's, he's got a fellow teammate, Acol a- they there averaging six point nine himself, and so like that's going to be a factor um, as we sort of scroll through here. And so it's like the splitting of rebounds, I think, might be the thing that does him in. There's nobody else in the top twenty-five who plays for Sac State. A lot of Eastern Washington guys, by the way.
1: So, so yeah, you're you're making my point. It, it's easier for the team to change their rebounding averages because you've got five guys on the floor that can all get a rebound at once. And, and you as a team, you can get more rebounds a lot harder for an individual to change their rebounding numbers, especially this late in the season. So this late you are who you are. And, and as it is, DJ is getting one plus more rebounds per game than McCray. And so I, I it's going to be a lot more difficult for, for McCray to make up that difference with only 10 games left.
0: Yeah, I agree. Because right now, Dylan Jones with 208 total rebounds, McCray with 191. So...
1: Yeah, that's why I said that the difference is 27. Yeah, uh, McCray would have to out-rebound DJ by a total of 27 boards over 10 games.
0: I'm with you. I'm buying. I think DJ gets the, uh, he gets the, rebounding, yeah. uh, the rebounding title, if there is such a yeah. thing by the end of the season. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, next one up. Okay. So you can tell me what you think here. We talked about the Jekyll and Hyde shooting night for Steve Verplanken Thursday, absolutely on fire. Saturday night, absolutely cold. You know, it was a rough shooting night. But overall, Steve right now is shooting. Uh, I think like forty-two percent. Let me let me see if I can get this up. Oh, I have to go pull up the uh, the university stats. I don't have them up, but I've got Steve, them up here. Yeah, Steve's shooting like forty-two point something percent, like forty-two point five percent. At right now, it's, um, it's 42.33 three. Uh, okay, as stands on the season. Yep, so I mean, that's a great number, that's an absolutely great number. You can tell me if you want to buy or sell on this, Sean. Steve for ends the season shooting above
1: 45%. I'm selling, um, I want him to do that, but but just the same, re- just the exact same reason we talked about with the rebounding with DJ. Uh, I'm going to talk about with the three-point shots. Um, this late in the season, it's a lot harder for an individual to change that. He's going to have to have very consistent uh, five or six, four or six-game sh- uh, three-point shooting nights over the last ten games. Not impossible for him to do, but right now, if you're at 42, raising by three whole percentage points over the last ten games is going to be a little bit more difficult. I want to see Steve do it, but I'm going to sell let say that he finishes just shy.
0: So I'm with you too. I think I'm going to sell because, you know, bumping up three whole percentage points at this point in the season, like you said, is tough. He's made 41 threes on the season. So Jalen Cohn from Northern Arizona leads the conference at 56. He's averaging 2.9. Steve's averaging 2.1 and he's roughly 15 made threes behind Cone. So it's something that maybe could be done because the numbers are smaller. But at the same time, you'd have to have a string of really hot shooting nights to really make a dent in a percentage that has, you know, we're, you know, roughly three yeah. quarters of the way through the season. Now, there's a lot of average already baked. You really yep. got to make an impact if you're going to move it. So with you, I'm going to buy, but I would really love to see him come close because if Steve or Plankin can get shooting that three hot six, uh, like consistently, the Wildcats will be a dangerous team in Boise. Okay. Uh, uh the next one up. Daniel Ruzan becomes the backup center by the end of the season. Buying or selling I, on that.
1: I, I'm gonna buy because I think he already is. Okay. <laughs> he's the he's the first one off the bench to replace Chu, right? Um and I know he's splitting minutes with some, with Tamba a little bit. Um yeah. but I think Ruzan's getting the more consistent minutes. And so I'm gonna say he already is, so I'm buying that he will be at the end of the season um because he already is.
0: Um, yeah, because it, it, it kind of depends, right? So in the in the Sac State game, uh, Tamba got more minutes; he got eleven minutes, whereas Razan only got seven. Um, but their numbers were comparable. Razan had you know more shots, which is I think his strength is that offensively he's uh, further along. But then again, you look at the Portland State game, and it's the reverse. Razan has thirteen uh, minutes, whereas Tamba just five. So it kind of flips. Well, and
1: flopped. I think I think that's matchups. Uh, resent totally. averaging ten point four. Thomas averaging nine point five. Now, if you're going to switch this question and ask me who do I think has more upside, I, I think Tamba has more upside, and I think overall will be the better player. But if you're asking me who the backup center is today and who it will be at the end of the season, because again, I think rotations are already baked. It's hard to to make changes this late in the season. You're trying to finalize for those three games of Boise it's it's Ruzan. And I, I think he already is the backup center. So that that's an easy
0: buy for me. All right. I also going to buy, because like you said, I think that right now at this point in the season, I think that Ruzan, it is about matchups and that's important, but every time that he's come in, he's just kind of had this impact. He has the ability to back guys down in the post. His scoring ability is a little bit further along than Tamba's is, but Tamba is long. And I think his defense is better. Uh, we saw that when Tamba was on the floor in the Idaho state game, things slowed down quite a bit in the post, right? They were not able to score nearly as easily. Uh, Whereas when other folks were on the floor, it wasn't the same pluses and minuses to both, but uh, I'm with you. I think I'm buying. All right, Sean, final one. And then we'll get to the upcoming schedule here. We're going to talk about Boise and Sean kind of hit me up on this one a little bit, but we're going to, we're going to leave it to you folks. So we're going to put up on the, on the screen. Now the, the bracket this year, because with with Southern Utah leaving the conference, it it required that the uh, the conference kind of put together a new format for the basketball tournament in Boise. Well, so it'll be well.
1: There's two reasons for that too. They the top seeds wanted. Um, the, there were the coaches and the athletic directors uh, petitioned the conference because the way that the original format was set um, on a on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday there was no advantage to being a top two seed except for better playing times on Thursday, but everybody had to play three games in three days uh, to win the title. Uh, the other portion of that story is the re- another reason why the conference changed the brackets is because you'll look that the conference tournament now starts on a Saturday and ends on a Wednesday. This was so they could get the last games on ESPNU and ESPN two. So the better TV times necessitated finishing early in the week, uh, before the big conferences, uh, have their tournaments or finish their tournaments. So, um, That was a trade-off that the Big Sky did to to get the better TV schedule. So with that, we've got the new format of of the conference tournament. The other thing you'll notice about the schedule is that it goes five days instead of three, and to do that, they've only got two games per day. So we no longer have that marathon Thursday of of four games in one day. So only two games per night, um, consistent start times for all the games, but it means – that giving the the top two seeds an extra day of rest. Um, so what will happen is the bottom seeds will play on Saturday. They'll feed into the top seeds and you assume that the top seeds are going to beat those bottom seeds. And then they get a day off while the middle seeds don't even start their tournament till Monday. So with that as the explainer, Kobe, ask your question.
0: All right. So my buy or sell is... Weber loses in the first round of the tournament this year.
1: Now, I'm I'm going to tell Kobe that I'm selling this because <laughs> what's the first round? Now, to me, we we've got the bracket up in front of us on the screen here. The first round is on Saturday, and I've I've we've edited this so that if the if the league standings were locked today, if everything stays the same and this is how the teams finish, Weber finishes at number 3, they do not play till Monday. They play in the third round. That is the third round of the tournament or the third day of the tournament. You could argue that it's the, the second round of their I was say, I the technically it's round. The second round.
0: It's the second. round. Okay.
1: But, but the, the, now if the question is, does Weber lose? on the first game they play in the tournament, which is how that question should have been which asked. is the spirit of the question, right? The spirit of the question. And I right? totally get you on that. Does Weber lose on the first day? No, because we just beat Portland State by almost 20 on Thursday night at the Palace. And and I think we are that many points better than Portland State. Uh, we, that The game in Portland probably won't be that close when we play them later in the season. But I think that Weber beats Portland State. If the schedule holds today, that's where they end up. Even if they drop, they're, you're likely playing Idaho State. Um, you've got Sacramento State. Those are going to be a little bit tougher games. But I think Weaver wins the first game of the tournament. It's the second game you want to watch out for because right now, that's the Montana State Bobcats.
0: That has been a tough matchup for the Wildcats in the past year or so. Um, so I'm with you, Sean. I think I'm going to sell. I think that the Wildcats can probably make it through their first game, beat the teams who... I mean, for the most part, I don't want to talk about the stripes game because that pisses me off. And I was there. But uh, overall, the Wildcats have shown that they can beat teams below them. Teams that I feel are, you know, not as good as Weber State this year, uh, but have struggled with, you know, what I think are the teams that are better than them. And so far, that has been Montana State think we can all agree that Montana state probably the defending champions have had a, a pretty good run as it sits right now in the conference standings. Montana state sits six and two in conference play, the Wildcats five and two. So Montana state um, had a good game against Weber and Bozeman. We'll see what happens in, in a few weeks when the Wildcats return to the palace to face the Bobcats. But uh, yeah, I think that they can probably get through their first game on, on that Monday. Should they continue to hold one of those top four uh, spots in uh, the conference well, really the top, you know, what, five, what is it? Six. I could barely read this. now nah, it's like, it's like five.
1: Yeah. So, so the, the benefit is if you're one or two, you're going to play on Sunday, the second day, but then you don't have to play again until Tuesday. So you get the day of rest, which is what all the coaches want. And that makes it more like the, the conference schedule, um, playing Sunday and Tuesday. Um, they're pretty much saying that if you're in the bottom four of the conference, they want you to go away as early as possible. You get invited to the tournament, but they want you to go away. And so they're going to make you play the top teams. Uh, and you're there before the tournament really gets going on Monday. Um, I'm actually very interested. I've I've been to every neutral site tournament that the Big Sky has had uh, since they moved it to Reno. And I... I think that that that's those Saturday games are going to be very sparsely attended. Although it is interesting to me on the way the standings are right now, Montana playing on Saturday and you would get a brawl of the wild rematch on Sunday. That's actually a, an, an interesting matchup because um, uh, that was a close game on Saturday night with uh, those two teams met yeah, for the first time. Was. And, and that one could be interesting because I think if Montana holds at seven, they they're a tough matchup for Montana state in a neutral site. And, and I don't know that that could be a toss up. And if that's the case, then then that bottom half of the bracket staying at number three is, is actually really good uh, for that team. Uh, Just the way the brackets playing out right now, and we've still got half the conference season to go. And so you've got, you've got some things to work out, but, but man, that, I I like the bracket setup for for Weaver because you've you've got that t- an emotional rivalry game uh, before you before you have to play one of the top teams. That that's a fantastic uh, uh, matchup. Plus, you get to exercise Montana demons um, if you get to play them.
0: So so this situation right here is why I kind of don't like this the new setup because here's why. So yes, obviously. If you have to play on Saturday, the first day of the conference tournament, you have to face one of the top two teams in the conference. That's going to be a challenge. Those teams are going to be good. The Big Sky is not a, it's not a terrible league, and it's usually a league that is at least four to five teams deep. Any, any one of those four or five teams can probably win the conference tournament. So you're going to have to face one of those top two teams. But here's the advantage to that. In the past, if you were one of the teams that had to play on opening weekend, you had to run the whole thing through. You had to win four straight games, right? And so... It's
1: always always been three. There was always one game on Wednesday uh, that fed into the four games on Thursday. Um, So... So so the advantage here
0: is if you can get the upset, you get that. You win yourself that extra day of rest.
1: You do. You do. That is exactly right.
0: Whereas the Wildcats don't get that. If you, you know, should you win your first game, you're going to have to play another game. And then you're going to have to play another game. You have to play three games to win championship with no rest. So in some ways, I feel like this new new format kind of punishes the teams that are in the middle of the pack because they've got to go boom, boom, boom. Whereas if you're a lower seeded team, you could potentially upset. Now, of course, they're you know good for you if you do that. Uh, and then you steal that extra day of rest coming into Tuesday when you would face the winner of those, uh, those three and four and five and six matchups.
1: Now that sound you heard was, was uh, 10 athletic directors and head men's basketball coaches saying, Colby, you're crazy. We want to protect the top seats in the <laughs> conference because Certainly. you've, you, you, you've worked all season to get a top seed so that you can be best positioned for the three days in Boise or now five days in Boise. Um, you, if we're going to have success in the NCAA tournament, then we need to make sure that our best teams are going to the NCAA tournament. And the, the idea here is, is that the top seeds have the easiest path. And so you're giving them an extra day off. They only have to play two games in two days to win the tournament. Um, three games overall, but two games in two days. And, and that's that's the goal is to get the top teams um, the benefit. And it's much like what the West Coast Conference has done for years, where the top two seeds have a bye clear into the semifinals. And, and every other team has to play like 16 games to get to the semifinals. This is the weirdest <laughs> bracket I've ever seen. It is and, weird. and. And but you're you're setting up if you're Gonzaga and whoever finishes number two every year, you're you're automatically in the semifinals so that you can have the best shot of getting into the to the NCAAs.
0: A rotation of Brigham Young or St. Mary's, although San yeah. Francisco has been plucky. San Francisco has been good this year. All right. So uh, we're both selling on that. We feel like the Wildcats, you know, they've got a good shot at winning that first game. So that's buy and sell. Uh, Look at the upcoming schedule now, folks. Uh, Like we said, the Wildcats are going to be hitting the road this week, Thursday, January 26th at Idaho, 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, ESPN Plus or 103 on the Wave. Then Saturday, January 28th at Eastern Washington, that'll be at 3 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, ESPN Plus or 103 on the Wave. Will be interesting to see how the Wildcats match up against the Eagles because as difficult as the matchup has been with Montana State, I think the Eagles are really the favorite to win the conference tournament in my eyes. Now, they haven't had to play everybody quite yet, and so we'll kind of see how they match up against other teams. But overall, I said it last season, the way that Eastern played in the conference tournament, like they're dangerous. That's a team that's going to contend, and they've done a really good job so far now undefeated in conference play, sitting at 8-0 atop the conference slate. Uh, Then the the following week, things get a
1: little bit... Eastern's played Montana, Montana State, Sacramento State. They have played all the top teams in the conference. In well, I one. mean, they haven't played Weber State.
0: But you're right. They haven't they've played, played some Weber yet. Teams. But,
1: but they've played uh, the other top, two, the other two teams in the top four. So I, I'm not going to discount Eastern Washington. They are the best team in the
0: conference. No, right they're now. good. They're good. And they're currently on a 10-game win streak. Uh, so next up, then things get a little bit weird. Uh, the rematch game against the Stripes, Saturday, February 4th at Idaho State. You should drive up there. You should boo the Stripes. We should beat them in their crappy gym and then we get to go home. So go to the game, boo the Stripes, encourage the Wildcats to win and, and avenge us for what happened a couple of weeks ago when I was in attendance. Uh, then Monday, February 6th. Now this this next week is going to be a little bit tough because then the Wildcats face Northern Colorado in Greeley on Monday, February 6th. That game is at nine per time, ESPN Plus or 1031 The Wave. Then Thursday, February 9th, we get back to a regular schedule, but the Montanas come to town. So Montana State comes on Thursday, February 9th, 7 p.m. at the Palace. Then Saturday, February 11th, Montana comes to town 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time at the Palace. So that week is going to be really interesting because they'll have to play three in a week. Well, really four in a week's time because you're playing Idaho State on Saturday, Monday, Thursday, Saturday. I don't know why they did it like that. I really don't. Why did they do that, Sean?
1: Um, it, it goes back to the conference tournament. They, they did in order to move the tournament, um, back. They, they had to make the schedule so that every team has one Monday or or more than one Monday game. I think everybody has two Monday games throughout the course of the conference regular season. I think it's unfortunate that this is a raw deal, man. Yeah. It, and it always seems that way. It always seems like the conference office gives the Wildcats a raw deal on scheduling. But going to Greeley and then coming home to face Montana and Montana State, um, that's a tough ask. And, and so... Um,
0: Luckily, the, the Pocatello road trip is you know not very far. We're talking about an hour and a half. It's fine. You go up there, you come back. It's not that big a deal.
1: Yeah, but I wish I wish that game. <laughs> look, I, and I can't have it both ways. I shouldn't argue about this. I always complain that the Idaho State game is is on a Thursday night, and and you can't go up and 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 be there. Um, so they made it on a Saturday. They listened to me, and 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 they made it on a Saturday. But in this situation, I wish it were on Thursday, so that you'd have Thursday, and then you get the three days rest before Monday before doing that that trip. But. You know we can't have everything we want in life, and so so you're you're gonna do it. So the Idaho state trip that's the easy one. At least you get the Thursday off before that. But going Saturday Monday, uh, that gosh that that northern Colorado trip as a one off is just brutal because it is not a dumb road trip. It really. It's such
0: a dumb road trip. Yeah. Um, Jeff Millard in the comments, who's in to get a suite? I mean, I think it's a great idea. Get a suite in Boise. Seems like a good time. You agree, Sean? You Lewis? know, uh,
1: I we've looked into this many, many times and could never make it happen. Um, a suite usually goes in for about a uh, thousand to eleven 1, hundred bucks um, and includes ten tickets. So if you get ten friends to to go up with you, can have a hundred bucks deck. As a suite for a hundred bucks a person. It's <laughs> not a bad deal. It no is the trouble is getting finding ten people that want to be up there for all five days. Uh, to to watch the Wildcats and and pay for that even if they lose um, early in the tournament, so hundred bucks. Uh, but Millard Millard
0: will talk. All right, I like it. I mean, maybe, maybe it's something we should put in the Facebook group. See if we can get ten guys together or ten folks, whoever you know, it could be other folks uh, want to get a suite together. I mean, 1100 bucks, man, like that ain't too much. And like you get food up there. Isn't that right? Like it's,
1: um, food is extra. The, the 1100 bucks uh, is just for the, uh, the, um, the tickets. Um, but, uh, as Millard says, floor tickets to, uh, to sit on the floor are only 125 bucks for all session. Um, face it folks. The big sky tournament is a great basketball deal. Um, huge uh, you deal. get, you get nine games, uh, uh, nine games, right? Four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. Nine games for a hundred bucks. Um, in a, in a really decent basketball venue. Um, I've got my favorite seats. Jeff likes to sit a lot closer, uh, to the floor than I do. Um, but, uh, the, uh, uh, it's a great value for what you get, get to see all the teams there and, and, and have, downtown Boise is fun.
0: I like Boise
1: like, well, it's right. The arena is right at the Boise center on the Grove. So if you're familiar with that, there's restaurants, it's very walkable. You can, you can get around. There's several hotels that are right in the uh, vicinity there. If you're a real huge fan, you can stay at the same hotel as the team. Uh, Those hotels go for a little bit more than what you can get on the regular market. There's lots of VRBOs um, around. I am all in. This is the conference has done a really good thing for, um, uh getting the conference tournament in a really really sweet spot. Um the only thing that I'm going to say, I mean I love Boise. I I spent a lot of time in my youth there. Same, um it's I a like great it. city. I I I'm, I'm there. But um there's a brand new arena in Henderson, Nevada, the Dollar Loan Center, um where we oh. were state played earlier this year that maybe for a fan perspective being in close to Vegas, you're not on the strip, but you're not in Vegas. Vegas. You've got the uh you've got the other conference tournaments that are gonna go on because you've got the West Coast going on at the same time, and then when the Big Sky is done, you've got the Pac-12 and the Mount Worst um right there at the same time. So uh that could be an option for the true basketball junkie if the conference were looking to move it. But I'm not advocating for that because I think Boise is the most central place for all of the the big sky schools, and I think that uh, Boise has done a great job of hosting. It's a good little arena. Um, it's not Boise State's arena. It's, it's uh, a small arena where the... Uh, 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 the used to be the D-League team in Boise used to play there. Uh, Idaho and, Stampede. Uh, the, the Idaho Stampede. Now, now Utah uh, Stars.
0: Yep, now the Utah Stars. Um, um,
1: but uh, um, they've got the ECHL team. That's the ECHL arena that plays the Grizzlies. Um the steel heads, the um, steel heads. Yep. And so, um, and, and Millard makes a good point. Uh, there's no, no restaurants close to the dollar loan center within walking distance. Although given 10 years, those will come, um, but, uh, <laughs> give
0: them a decade. They'll get there yeah. until then Boise. It is.
1: <laughs> yeah. Boise, Boise. It is. I love Boise. It's a, it's a beautiful city, great place to spend the springtime. And, uh, if you're in Boise, join me at Goldie's for breakfast, because that is the place to be. No if bad. you know, you know,
0: That sounds great. All right, John, we'll wrap up the show. Email us, weberstateweekly, gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, Patreon, patreon.com slash weekly. Like I said, I got to get a couple of those preview shows recorded for our patrons. Really want to thank them, want to produce some special content for them as a thank you to them for their long time support. And then uh, the blog, WeWereStateWeekly.com. I haven't written anything recently, uh, but it's there. If you want to read it, maybe we'll do something, I think, probably write something up for the upcoming signing day just to kind of like recap uh, this year's uh, class, recruiting class. But um, yeah, but look for that content if you are a patron, man, because I'm really excited to make it. And I think that hopefully it's uh, useful to you folks as well. So we'll wrap up the show like we always do. Thank you to Sean Lewis for taking some time to chat hoops with me tonight. Weber State, Weber State.
1: Great, great, great. Go Wildcats. Where's my camera? Right there. There yeah, we go. Yeah, yeah. Go Wildcats.